All right, we're back on One True Podcast. Alongside me, as always, is my good friend, John Werner. Johnny, how are we doing? Bryce, good to have some uh, couple dudes in here. (laughs) A couple dudes. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Yes, we are joined this week. Uh, It's a Baylor bye week, incidentally, so we're not talking about uh, Baylor football so much as I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk a little more Big 12 expansion, uh, which our readers and a lot of people around the country have certainly been interested in. We're joined today by Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel, uh, has covered, has been with the Sentinel a couple different stints. Uh, you know, you had some internships there and now back uh, covering UCF, uh, but you also covered UCF for 24-7 sports, correct? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks for joining us. And then our good friend, uh, previous podcast guest here, Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle. Joseph, good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Uh, I did get permission from Kirk Bowles and the Austin gang. So uh, <laughs> we're good. We're good to talk. That's good. Still well, yeah. I'm still on them about keeping me out of the Big 12. <laughs> I, I finally got my due. Yep. They leave, you join. <laughs> Works out perfect. Yeah. Well, it'll... Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking to Kirk and said next week, probably, but uh, Baylor UT coming up next week. But uh, let's dig into some Big 12, uh, you know, expansion talk. Um, so Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, the uh, the AAC contingent of the new arrivals to the Big 12 uh, are pegged to join the league no later than 2024, 2025 school year. Um, so my question to, you know, to Jason and Joseph here, uh, you know, what, what do you feel like are the odds that those three are able to kind of wiggle out of the American before that? I mean, I, I think it's right now just, you know, legal talk that they're going to be joining in 2024, 2025, no later than that. I think it's, I don't think it's going to happen next year, but I'd be pretty surprised if it doesn't even happen by 2023. I mean, this is just speculation on my part. I'd be pretty surprised if that, if that doesn't happen. I mean, just to sit around and wait for 2025 to come around doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, You know, the three schools from the American had to give 27 month notice. And I think at the time of that notice, it was like right before the start of the 24th season. So you know, I, right before the start of the 23 season, my bad. Um, I, I just, I feel like realistically um, something's going to change to, uh, you know, to make that happen before that. I, I'd be pretty surprised if we got all the way to that point and nothing happened. Joseph, what do you think? You know, Houston's gone on the record and said that their plan is 2023. So, uh, you know, th- there's the negotiating part of it where, you know, just for some context, UConn paid about 17 million to get out uh, uh, before the uh, the 27 month uh, time period. So I, I imagine, uh, at least from Houston standpoint, and I, I would think all three at, at would want to would want to come in at the same time instead of staggering this. But uh, you're probably going to end up paying that much, you know, maybe that 15 to 17 million range, because you know now now look at it with the American about to to add six schools reportedly. Uh, there's going to be a lot of comings and goings. You know, maybe it it tidies thing tidy things up uh, a little uh, neater 
if if you can get these three out by 2023 and you know start looking to the future with those other schools uh maybe along that same time frame yeah i, I had seen those reports about the american you know kind of uh looking to expand its roster again obviously you know with with the defections there um john that feels like the next uh you know fertile soil for the big 12 to try to poach right those schools that the americans adding <laughs> well you know we still haven't given up on tulane and memphis that's right because From a of food the food perspective yes we uh we're we're pretty greedy that way yeah we're we're uh, leading the fight for that still <laughs> no doubt no doubt i uh, still can't believe that memphis fans aren't picketing in downtown waco right now to get in i mean <laughs> You'll you'll learn that that's one of the more rabid fan bases, especially when it comes to basketball. And it's, you know, if I'm Memphis right now and I'm looking at the schools that are being mentioned that are coming in, I'm like, what the hell did I do wrong to, to, <laughs> to, to, to get this punishment or to, to get caught in this? But I mean, it's amazing, uh, you know, what what you know, there's there's some deficiencies there, you know, facilities and stuff. But, you know, anyway, uh, it's just sort of a. You know, we got to get the, we got to get them in the big boat just for that barbecue. Yeah, absolutely. Bryce and I are fighting for them. Yeah, well, Penny I did Hardaway, have some great New Orleans. We'll talk about it at the end. I did have some great New Orleans food last. <laughs> nice, nice. Rubbing it in, Joe. Uh, Penny Hardaway's son plays at uh, Duncanville, actually, um, which is in the Dallas area. So I'm surprised. You know, he hasn't been knocking on the Big Twelve office doors and you know stumping for uh, for Memphis to get. Uh, added. Um, so with the addition of, uh, of these schools, in addition to uh, BYU, um, the conference now has schools spread across three different time zones. Uh, obviously, it already had two with uh, West Virginia being out there, uh, you know, in that eastern time zone. But now, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty geographically spread out. Do you guys see some inherent geographical challenges to this setup, or does that really even matter in today's college landscape? I don't think it matters a whole lot. I mean, I think BYU to Orlando, whoever's going to lose that game, that's a long flight home. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, but you look at like, you know, UCF already goes to Houston and already has gone to SMU. They've gone to the Texas schools. Uh, you know, they, they've made the long trip previously up to Yukon and, and previous and up to Temple as well. So, you know, I, Orlando specifically, when I'm speaking about Orlando, they have a large airport with direct flights. I think more than, you know, more than enough direct flights uh, compared to some of these other schools. So I, I don't think it's that big of an issue. I mean, you know, from a football perspective, you know, you're going to charter a whole plane and, and maybe a couple of planes and fly them out to Texas and the rest of the big 12. But, you know, maybe for I know there's no soccer, but maybe for like tennis or or some of those other non-revenue sports, um, that might be a little challenging. But you know, from a football perspective, basketball perspective, I don't think it's that that major of a deal. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening because you know it wouldn't make sense. Right. No, guys, I agree. You know, uh, geography doesn't matter anymore. Anymore. I mean, I don't even think kids know what a map is these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Texas women, Texas women put out a tweet this week where it had uh, Austin to KC, and it had KC where where McAllen, Texas would be. So I, I don't know who who put that tweet together, but 
they they fail. They must have failed geography that that or missed that week of class. Uh, but but you look at, at at the way things are set up. I mean, we've heard of of Houston and the Pac-12, and can you imagine Houston to to Pullman or uh, you know, you look at the American, the way it's set up, uh, Temple's way up there sort of by themselves. And and we talk about travel partners and you know, East Carolina, uh, you know, the way that the American's going now, I'm surprised Marshall didn't get a, a look simply to, to, to be closer to one of those uh, northeast or, or eastern seaboard uh, schools. But, you know, three time zones, two time zone. Uh, I think what what these conferences want to do now is. Uh, if you're going to survive, you got to sort of expand your reach. Uh, the Big 12 gets into the, uh, to the Florida market, which uh, they've never been in. They've long wanted that. And then you look at uh, them going out west. Uh, BYU's got such a, a huge national following that uh, I think it's going to cover multiple, even more uh, time zones because you're going to you're going to get that reach uh, that that they offer. So yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, Siri can't even tell me how to get from my doorstep to downtown Houston <laughs> time. So I don't think anybody's going to care, uh, you know, where the schools are located. It, you know, it all works out. It'll be a little bit more expensive and it'll be a, a little bit more hiring where we hear that the student athletes will will miss, you know, valuable class time. But, you know, they all seem to, to figure that out and, yeah. and work it out. Yeah. Class can wait. Right. Yeah, Everything- I, I agree. Uh, you know, everybody's always trying to expand their uh, footprint and, uh, this is just a bigger foot here. So uh, I say bring in Hawaii. Just see see what happens. <laughs> Let's see if the trip can spring for that trip. You, <laughs> you've gone to Hawaii on the trip's dime before. Uh, that was many moons ago. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys. Not to be a contrarian, but I have been known to be a contrarian before. Uh, <laughs> I do feel like where it really will be more of a challenge is in some of these other sports, non-revenue sports. Um, And it'll be interesting to see maybe what they do with, with scheduling a little bit, like uh, just for instance, um, you know, the big 12 used to uh, before COVID play volleyball matches on like Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, And, and then COVID came along and they sort of tweaked the schedule and now they're doing these back-to-backs where they play, you know, the same opponent in the same location, you know, like Friday, Saturday, and it cuts down on travel. And, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some, some tweaks like that, you know, so that you're not, um, you know, going, not, not everybody may go to Orlando in, in volleyball, you know, or whatever it might be. Uh, so we'll see how that all works out, but, but certainly, um, you know, there's going to be some, some challenges, but I think Jason said it well, if, if these challenges were that big a deal, they wouldn't have done this. You know, I mean, they've looked at it. You know, two little points to it, uh, Bryce. Uh, One, I don't know. I'd be interested on the, from the BYU perspective, if we've learned anything about the setup and and how that'll affect potential Sunday games uh, Mm -hmm. for, for the non, you know, non, you know, the, the Olympic type sports and also the American like in baseball last year, uh, they sent everybody down to Florida at the beginning to do sort of a uh, a round robin uh, setup where they all went to I believe it was uh, Tampa uh, or in that area and they played a, a chunk of, of conference games and then the the series were four game series rather than three so they sort of eliminated you know midweek games 
uh, around uh, conference play. But, you know, there, there's ways around it where, like you said, you can double up. Uh, you can have that travel partner where, you know, if you're Houston, you go to Tulane and you play a, a, a Friday, Sunday volleyball. So, you know, I'm sure I'm sure all those those uh, setups or options are, are on the table. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so obviously there's, you know, very obvious reasons why these com- these schools would want to join the Big 12. Um, you know, it looks like the Big 12 will still remain a you know, quote unquote, power five uh, conference. Mm-hmm. I've heard people, I've, Bob Bowlesby has said that's more of a, a label than anything, but, but they certainly do have some, some voting, uh, you know, rights and things that, that go into being a power five conference. Uh, so for you guys, uh, you know, what, what are the biggest reasons that, you know, specifically Houston and UCF, might want to join the Big 12? I, I would say the biggest thing for UCF is, is the fan base. You know, UCF has 300,000 living alumni, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, it's a lot of, lot of people who are alive and they're young. I think the average age of a UCF alum is like 35 or 40 or something. It's in that 35 to 40 range. I mean, you can look at some schools and their average alum is in the 60s, you know, right? I mean, it, it's, you know, UCF being such a young school, having having opened in, uh, you know, in this, in the past 80 years or 50 years or whatever it is, um, you, you have a lot, you have a lo- large fan base, obviously, because UCF has the most number of students. I think it's the largest maybe up there with Arizona State at 70,000 enrolled um, and because of that, you now have a large alumni base and that means generating, you know, fundraising, um, attendance, you can get fans, you can play a game anywhere in the country and you're going to have fans there. UCF travels well and UCF lives everywhere. Um, you know, so I, I think that's the biggest thing outside of the obvious money exposure market. I mean, being in Orlando is obviously, you know, I think it's the largest TV market without an NFL team. So that's right off the bat, but I would say generally specific to UCF, the size of UCF, 70,000 students enrolled. Um, it's number one or number two in the country. And, and the fact that they have, you know, a quarter mil, over a quarter million living, living along that, you know, support the school and donate money. You guys know where we're going with this, with Houston, uh, since Southwest conference, I mean, to them, it, it's about belonging, uh, you know, they have felt like, uh, you know, they've gotten either the runaround, the shaft, you know, been ignored, you know, whatever, whatever you want to use to describe it. But uh, it's it's sort of validation now that, it, you know, we're in a power five. Now, it may not be power five that they thought, but it's going to be the power five. And, you know, but at the same time, I'd love to be in the uh, the athletic director's office uh, in year three when they click on the bank account and and you see the difference between that $7 million payout and, you know, whatever it's going to be 25 million, 20 million. Cause you know, we shouldn't, uh, you know, discount the, 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 the financial part of it because, you know, all three of these American schools are going to see a, a huge windfall uh, when it comes to the money there and, and sort of, but you look at what Cincinnati's doing in football. I mean, without, the 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 American without the Big Twelve money as it is, you know they've gotten some uh, some renovations and some facility upgrades, and they've got the number two team in the country. So 
uh, it could be done with that without that money. But can you imagine when they do have it? Uh, you know what what they'll be able to do. So you know between exposure, money, and, and just that designation now uh, that you know you can actually get into the playoff. Uh, I think those are all combinations that uh, that are, are are high on Houston's list. So why why this move makes sense and, and is is worth it? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Uh, you know, John and I have talked about it. I mean, the, these four schools make a lot of sense to me for the Big Twelve, and mm-hmm. obviously Houston was one that was up for consideration before, and uh, you know. I know the Cougars were not, you know, uh, happy when when they got snubbed the last time the Big 12 kind of went through all this. I I think that money piece, Joseph, that you mentioned is the biggest reason that it made sense for the Big 12 to actually stick together because there was talk at at certain times when the conference was looking like it might crumble again uh, that the American might poach. Uh, you know, some of these big 12 schools, well, uh, you know, the big 12's TV deal is a lot bigger, uh, than the Americans deal. And granted, some of that is based on Texas and Oklahoma being in the league, but nevertheless, it it just, it did make sense. I thought the big 12 did did a smart thing by sticking together and then, you know, trying to go out and be aggressive for once. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, because a lot of times they, I, I mean, I would say, John, you said it, they kind of sat on their hands the last time of, of realignment, right? Oh, I, I thought it was kind of embarrassing. You know, all, all those schools, you know, kind of presented their best face to uh, to the Big 12, you know, showed why they should be in it. And then they didn't accept any of them. I thought that was a real embarrassment to the league. And uh I'm glad. I think they could have added four better schools than this. Yeah, no doubt. Go ahead, Joseph. No, I was also interested, you know, and John would know this because he, he, you know, he covered the Southwest Conference. You know, back in the day, you know, we didn't talk about payouts and and the TV deal. I'd be interested to know what kind of money schools were were getting annually, you know, back in those 80s and 90s and just kind of see, you know, how things have changed because, uh, you know, we're talking now the SEC is getting what, you know, 60, 70 million plus per school. And, and you look at some of these other payouts uh, and, and and I know times have changed and you've got all this new media and stuff. But, you know, it was a far simpler time when we didn't have to work <laughs> about about all this. And it, and it was simply just, you know, a line up. And of course, we'd have the occasional Southwest Conference scandal uh, that we <laughs> deal with. But but we just kind this of be pretty like, big, too. Yeah, lined up and played on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was more about rivalries back then. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, true that, true that. Hey, hey Bryce, I would add, you know, thinking about it more, not just from money exposure standpoint, but specifically for UCF, in the state of Florida, you know, they're in the same state as FSU, Miami, and Florida. It's always been considered the big three. And UCF, since, you know, the 2017 season, uh, they've tried to form the big four or, or call themselves part of the big four, I guess. And Miami has added struggles. I mean, look at FSU right now. And this year right now specifically is a bad season for the state of Florida football. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, you know, those three schools were always able to get and retain the best talent. But then you have your Clemson's, your Alabama's, your Georgia's, 
basically fly in and your Ohio State's fly in and pick the best, pick the remaining best kids or sometimes the best kids overall. I think UCF can now go to a recruit and say, hey, you don't have to go to a Nebraska or a Tennessee or Indiana and, and or freeze your butt off in the Northeast <laughs> to go play power five football. Like you don't have to go to Vanderbilt just to play power five football. If FSU, Florida, Miami don't want you, you can stay, you know, in Orlando and live in the Sunshine State and play power five football. Um, and that's always, I mean, even I think Gus Malzahn in the pat in the first eight months that he's been at UCF, and when the staff arrived, I told them, you know, you're gonna, it's gonna be a reality check. Kids, because of Gus Malzahn, want to see Gus and play for Gus. Then they come on campus, and this is before you know the Big Twelve invited them, but they would come on campus and not realize that UCF wasn't already in a power five. Cause I feel like group of five power five, you know, for everyone involved, it means something, but for recruits, they don't, they get it, but they, it's not the main thing. I don't think, I think, you know, playing time and the brand of the university may be a little bit bigger to a kid. Um, but at the same time, they'll be like, wait, you're not, once they learn they're not power five, it's, it's they're, they're kind of taken away and, and don't even consider UCF anymore. So UCF and, and Gus Malzahn specifically can now tell, you know, recruits and, and transfers as well, come here and play power five football and live in Orlando and, and, um, you know, help build something. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big recruiting boon for all those four, uh, programs that are joining. All right. So, uh, not to let people too much know about how the sausage is made, but I'm just going to tell y'all that my clock is ticking on my free version <laughs> of zoom. Uh, so I'm going to skip ahead. I was worried. I didn't know if there was like something going to detonate. No, no. That time and I was like, do I have to run or no, I'm going to skip ahead to a fun question that I wanted to leave y'all with. So give me about a minute on this. Uh, no more than that, maybe, but, um, So I had to laugh. I saw a tweet where somebody referred to Big 12 legend Oscar Robertson. (laughs) And, of course, you know, we're talking about the Big O uh, who played his college basketball uh, and played in the pros in Cincinnati when when Cincinnati had an NBA team, uh, the Cincinnati Royals. But uh, so in all seriousness, obviously all four of these new Big 12 schools have a rich, uh, you know, athletic history and a lot of sports. Uh, and so this is always a kind of a fun thing to do, but if, uh, if you were picking Joseph, if you're picking a Houston Mount Mm. Rushmore, who are the four people on that? Jason, you do UCF and John, I'll, I'll let you handle Baylor. So Joseph, I'll start with you. Well, uh, if we're not including coaches or I I might include coaches in my number one's got to be Carl Lewis. You can't go wrong there. Uh, number two for me would be, uh, Elijah Wan. Yeah, absolutely. Hakeem, not Hakeem. Hakeem the dream, baby. You know, third, I, I would I would probably still stick with basketball and go with Elvin Hayes. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you can make a case, put Andre Ware on there as the Heisman winner. Uh, if I only went one basketball and included a coach, I'd probably go with Bill Yeoman. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, the father of the, the inventor or the veer or – you know, you could go uh, Guy Lewis. So, player-wise, I, I think you, you're you safe with that. Uh, you know, Lewis, some combination of Lewis, uh, Olajuwon, uh, and Big E. Uh, yeah. Those, are some, and, those and, are some pretty and, good ones. And you're still leaving some guys off. You know, you're leaving Drexler off. Leroy uh, Burrell. You know, Leroy Burrell. So, yeah. you know, there's there's been a few. But, yeah, I, those are the, the, one, the direction that I would go. 
Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jason, how about you? Top that. I'm going to, yeah, I don't think I can. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to stick with four football players. I'll give you a coach. I, I'm going to, I know you asked for four. I'm going to give you four football players. I'm going to give you a basketball and another coach just, okay. just for fun. Dante Culpepper, I think a lot of people maybe don't realize, the modern fans don't realize that he went to UCF and really put UCF on the map. Uh, recency bias, maybe, I would say, but I think UCF fans would agree. Shaquem Griffin, you know, his story and what he did to, you know, really put UCF and uh, a teammate of his, Mackenzie Milton. I know he's at FSU right now, but he was one of the best quarterbacks in all college football uh, when he was healthy before he injured his leg. And then Baylor fans might not want to hear this next name, Blake Bortles, right? <laughs> Blake Bortles. And for my coach, I would say George O'Leary, probably another name they don't want to hear. Um, but those four, Blake Bortles, Mackenzie Milton, Shaquem Griffin, and Dante Culpepper are my four. And then if I had to pick a basketball player, Taco Fall is a big man. Yeah. I was about Taco to say, Fall. you might have some restrictions on on the, the stone yeah. used for Taco. <laughs> you may not be able to get him on there. No. <laughs> He's going to have his own mountain. <laughs> That's great. Al Taco. Taco Fall. That's uh, that's one of the all-time best names for sure. Uh, and still in the NBA. So, uh, Johnny, who you got for Baylor? Okay, I'm just going to go with players. I, I think it's too controversial if you threw in coaches. Okay, uh, RG3. Yeah. I don't think anybody argued that. Michael Johnson. Yep. Olympian, gold medal winner. Brittany Griner. Yeah, you got to put Brittany on record. There. You're three for most... three. I agree with all these. Okay, here's a new uh -oh. addition. Jared Butler. Ooh. First see? team All-American. MVP of the National NCAA Champion. tournament. National Champions. Yeah. I'm so, no Singletary. I would have no put Singletary over Singletary is hardly that. Yeah. Yeah. And if I so I'll I'll give you the four Baylor coaches if there was a coaches now for sure <laughs> okay. it would uh, because we kind of did this once we had a uh, like an all time Baylor athlete bracket that we let readers pick you know and we named each of the regions after coaches and so those four were uh, Clyde Hart mm -hmm. uh, one of the great track coaches in history uh, Coach Michael Johnson Coach Jeremy Warner. Uh, you know, so it's got Olympic gold medals in addition to national champions, but, uh, Grant Taff, you got to go Grant Taff. Uh, I think you've got to go Kim Mulkey and you got to mm -hmm. go Scott Drew. I mean, that's, that's four pretty good coaches. Can't there. argue that any of them. Yeah. And, uh, so that was fun. You know, good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, we're looking forward to seeing y'all uh, here whenever that is, 2024, 23, whatever that is. You know, we'll uh, see you around at some of these games. But certainly, we thank you for joining us and, and giving some of your, uh, your expertise. Texas Monthly came out with that barbecue list this past yeah, week. There's a few Houston, guy, uh, Houston places on there. So they ate. Uh, there's a Waco spot on that list too. I guess, saw guest barbecue. Good stuff. So yeah, Jason, you got to give us what's the best place before we leave here to eat in Orlando. Doesn't have to be barbecue. Yeah, no, I mean, the sports writers can't afford <laughs> and it can't have a Disney Mickey mouse ears thing in front of the door. <laughs> oh man. And I don't know. I mean, I was going to say this little place called Disney world probably is your best bet. <laughs> all-around experience um there's some pretty good spots by ucs campus though i would 
If you want some really good pizza, Lazy Moon is the place to go right off campus, I would say. Okay. Cool. That sounds right. good. Cool. We're, we're down for pizza. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks again so much. And uh, again, we'll see you down the road. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks.